Hey there guys, how you doing? This is Ken. This is the Ken Burton Show podcast story and it is in fact uh, what I promised to do which is the last chapter. Uh, a lot of people have been asking me about this and you know there are there are two stories that I've told a lot of people I'm going to tell. One is one is the one where Heather is involved and that one's going to be called the getaway driver um, and that is, it, yeah, I'm, <laughs> when I tell the story, you'll understand why I'm laughing. Anyway, uh, this one is called The Last Chapter, and it is, in fact, The Last Chapter. And when I go through this story, you'll understand why I've called it that. It isn't the last story, necessarily, that I'm going to tell, but it certainly is The Last Chapter. And this is why. Now, if anyone that's followed my uh, podcast stories will be well aware, um, and excuse me, I've got the tune coming, um, will be well aware of my life before, before, my life before. Um, And I wasn't exactly on the right side of the law all the time. I lived in a place that was basically had a hierarchy to who did what, where and why. And sometimes you got involved in that and sometimes you didn't get involved in that. And I was always on the fringes of this. I was never, I wasn't one of the faces. I was never a gangster. But uh, I was on the fringes. And basically gangsters, even gangsters need people around them. So (laughs) not necessarily gangsters. But um, I don't know. If you if you listen to the stories, if you followed these stories throughout the time I've been telling them, you'll know what sort of life I led. Always just on the wrong side of the law. Um, always just on the wrong side of right and wrong. But how did that all end? Where is the point? Where was the cutoff point? when it all stopped, when it all became no longer that life, no longer repossessing cars for people, no longer um, being within my uh, network of friends. Well, I'll tell you how it ended. This one's difficult. I don't know where to start with this one. All right, okay. We'd been out on a uh, on a Saturday night, uh, me and the boys. We were in a nightclub, and uh, we all got particularly hammered, and we met up with. Um, two guys that uh, one of the boys knew and basically he'd been to school with these two guys and they they were pretty much green around the edges you might say Um, both of them were uh, quite young and uh, I think one of them was 15 the other one was 16 And I think they knew that our friend, because, and I won't mention any names, because I think his younger brother knew these two guys. And uh, and I think this guy looked after these two when they were at school. Uh, They didn't go to to, uh, the same school I did. Um, They went to another school in Coventry. And... um, he, I think, looked after these two guys. Uh, but anyway, that's how he knew them. And I guess we, at the time, were 20s. We were in our 20s. So, these two young guys kind of latched onto us. And they very much emulated who we were. And they, they wanted to be us. They wanted to be players, you know. They wanted to be part of what we were doing, who we were. And 
One of these lads in particular, a young lad called Greg, Greg uh, found what I was doing to be uh, particularly of interest to him. <clears throat> he had a massive interest in cars, uh, loved, um, loved his cars. He was a fairly good thief. Uh, joyriding thief, though. He was uh, one of these... Um, one of these kids that wasn't that sensible, really. I mean, joyriding is completely fucking ridiculous. I mean, what, what's the point? What is the point in joyriding? If you're nicking a car for a reason, if you're going to make a few quid out of it, then that's something. But uh, joyriding, never, never really seen the, 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 well, never really seen anything, you know, the, fascinating about it whatsoever. But anyway, Greg. Um, <laughs> I just remembered he called me Mr. Burton. I remember that. Jesus. That was a fucking long time ago. Anyway, um, we met up with these guys a few times. And uh, they joined us in the pub once or twice. I think that, yeah, that was the first time I'd met Greg. And he was, he was all right. wasn't a bad lad. And he, he was kind of very, very keen, and his mate, very keen to kind of get in with us. And I remember one particular night, we were uh, we were going to go and do um, a repo. And uh, we were in the pub, and I got the phone call. And it was uh, the, <laughs> the guy that used to organise these things. He's such a funny guy. Ken, Ken, what? This guy's really fucking pissed me off. Really? <laughs> He'd tell me a story, and I don't want the story. I just want to know where's the car and how much am I going to get paid? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> anyway, um, I said to the boys, look, I've had, uh, I've had a call. I've got to go and shoot off, pick up a motor. And Greg, obviously, the, the boys knew what I was talking about. And Greg was like, can I come? Can I come? <laughs> so, fucking hell. Greg, um, you're, not, you're not really qualified to be doing this. <laughs> uh, the only thing that you can do is you can shadow one of the boys. Um, because, as you know, when we repo a car, we used to do it in three cars. And what we'd have is... Uh, uh we'd have sorry what we'd do is repo in two cars we'd have um one car with one guy in it going up the street another car with another guy in it down the street i'd go and do the repo and then that way if anything kicked off these two guys could uh get me out of there and uh or uh, potentially dive in if it was getting larry so anyway um so do we we turned up and I agreed that Greg could be in one of the cars. As it happens, he was in the front car. And uh, on this particular repo, I knocked on the door and I said to the guy, you know, uh, we've, we've, got, um, we've got instruction to come and collect the car. And he went, if you touch my car, I'm going to fuck you up. And that's the usual reaction. Quite often, I didn't even bother knocking the door, but they, he did say, right, well, I was under instruction to go and tell the guy we were taking his car because we wanted to make sure, or my employer, shall we say, wanted to make sure that it, the guy that we were taking the car from knew who had taken it. So I knocked on the door and told him this, and he, he gave me some verbal. And I said to him, look, I'm not really interested, mate. I don't give a shit about your dilemma with such and such. I've just been told to come and get the car, and that's what I'm going to do. And he said, I, I you know, I, I'll go repeat again. If you touch that car, I'm going to break your fucking arms. And I went, well, in that case, mate, you're going to break my arms because I'm taking the car. And uh, I walked down uh, these set of steps to the car. And I said to him, you know, if you're gonna, if you're not gonna give me the keys, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it, and that will just increase costs for you. Uh, and by do it, I mean do a window and, and bust the, uh, uh, bust the ignition. And he was like, you know, 
I'm telling you, man, you, you're not going to fucking take my car. And I was trying to explain to him, it's not your car, and I am going to take it, but I'm not having this discussion anyway. So anyway, I walked up to the car and I did the driver's window. And this guy uh, basically grabbed me. And I knew at that point that backup was going to come in pretty quickly. So I just pushed the guy away and he landed on the floor in the road. And three people came running towards me. The two guys that I'd taken with, with me on the repo and Greg. And uh, as this guy got up, Greg drop kicked him <laughs> straight in the back of his head. <laughs> sent the guy sent the guy flying to <laughs> the pavement. Oh dear. I I'll never forget. He looked as though um you ever seen that <laughs> you ever seen that James Bond film with the guy who's got the diamonds embedded in his face? <laughs> this guy had dirt embedded. Uh, little stones embedded in his face from where he scraped it across the floor <laughs> across the road so anyway the guy went to get up and I said really you want to fucking take four of us do you go and get the fucking keys and don't be a silly twat so anyway uh he was still giving loads of verbal so uh one of the guys that we were with he went into the house and uh, grabbed this guy's keys. <laughs> he actually just said to this guy's missus, uh, where's the keys? <laughs> she gave it to me. <laughs> so anyway, so we got the keys, and we went down, and we said, don't be a silly boy. And, uh, you know, away we went with the car, and this guy wasn't, you know, completely fucking stupid. He obviously <laughs> he went in the house. And we took the car back. We anyway, we took the car back. We got paid and um, went back to the pub. And Greg is on this massive adrenaline high. He is just so psyched. He's like, "Oh man, you wouldn't believe it. Ken was so cool, man. Ken was so cool." <laughs> he was like the fucking ice man. He just stood there going, "I'm gonna fucking take your car, man. I'm gonna take your car." Anyway, Greg was so excited. He was just so banged up and so excited. He absolutely was dying to get on the next job that we did. And it was about probably a week later that uh, we were actually in town. And in town, in Coventry in those days, there used to be a round calf um, right in the middle in the, the centre. And it was a Saturday and we were in this round calf. And I was meeting up with this uh, bird that I'd met. And uh, anyway, uh, I'd, I'd just happened to say to Greg the day before in a pub, um, I'm going downtown tomorrow, I'm going to meet up with some bird. And I couldn't believe it. Greg's only in the fucking calf. <laughs> I thought, Jesus Christ, this kid's a stalker. So anyway, I had a word with him. And I said, look, Greg, you can't follow me around. And he was like, yeah, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. I just I just so want to fucking know what you're like, you know, and, you know, copy your moves and do all this. So he just, he was like a, a lost puppy. You know, he was just incredibly weird to have that kind of strange relationship. The other guy, she used to call him the lapdog. And, you know, I can, where's your lapdog? Oh, uh, anyway, uh, so he hung around with us for the best part of six months, uh, and his mate, and his he he hung around me in particular for a long time. In the end, uh, he ended up with a uh, a key. Now, there were certain people that had keys to my flat. Uh, the boys that needed it, my mates. Um, people that might need it just in case. <laughs> oh, be so careful what I say. Um, and anyway, Greg ended up with a key because uh, basically he was he was doing me the odd favour, like he was going around feeding my cat, for instance, if I was out for the night. So uh, Greg ended up with a key, but my my flight was always always had somebody in it. <laughs> <laughs> times <laughs> one particular occasion right i i'd been down in in london for four days 
and uh, I'd what I needed to do down there had finished early, and I, I got back to my flat the, the, the a day early, basically. <laughs> there was a party going on in my flat. It was just full, full of women. It was just fucking full. I couldn't, I, I couldn't get my head around it. I, was, I thought I'd walked into the wrong flat. Oh dear, that that was a, a mate of mine. His sister needed somewhere to have a party. <laughs> he gave her my flat, the bastard. I can't believe it. Anyway, um, so there was always somebody in my flat, and uh, so Greg was around us for about six months. Um, we were doing the general sort of stuff. We were doing uh, kind of repo stuff. We were doing, you know, bits and pieces. And, you know, we were helping out the boys. We were making a living. We were scraping a living. And uh, life was going on pretty much as normal until the last, the, the last repo I ever did. In fact, yeah, I got a call and it was on Friday night. Hey, Ken, fucking wanker's really pissing me off. Yeah, 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 just tell me where the car is. And uh, he told me where the car was. And uh, by this time, we'd qualified Greg to be a driver. So uh, I said, you know, to the boys, anyone want to earn 50 quid? So they went, yeah, 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 let's do it. And uh, Greg took one car. Not his, obviously. Um he took one car another mate of mine took the other car and uh we went we went off to do the repo uh early on a saturday morning and it was early um <laughs> when we got there and i was kind of I, perhaps i need to fill you in on uh one thing before we go any further and that was greg was in love greg found a girlfriend and when you're that age and you find a girlfriend, you think it's the best thing that's ever happened to you. You think you're going to marry her. You, you know, he was he was a soppy git anyway. And he, he just was all over this bloody girl like a rash. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure he probably lost his virginity to her. And he was just besotted. He really was besotted. And he played himself up big time. I mean, she was all right, you know. So I kind of knew her, really, uh, kind of on the fringes of somebody else I, I knew, someone else I went out with, actually, she was a friend of hers. And, um, you know, so it, it kind of... I knew the way the relationship was going, really, and it, it was kind of all him, and she was kind of take it or leave it. And, I, you know, he was kind of really into her. I mean, really into her. So anyway, I knew that the two of them... I'd got into a bit of uh, puppy love rowing, as in she wants to go out, he wants to know where she's going to go, you know, that sort of thing. And I, I just, I don't want to fucking know, you know. <laughs> don't tell me your problems, Greg. So anyway, uh, we went to the repo on the Saturday morning. And uh, basically, what happened was, uh, I went to get the car, and the guy who owned the car, was walking his dog. And he, as he was walking his dog, he spotted us trying to take his car. So he gave it the usual, you know, what the fuck are you doing? And we said, you know, we're, we're repoing it on behalf of the owner. Do you want to go and get the keys? Or are we going to take it this way? And if we do, you'll incur costs. And, you know, and, and he basically lost the plot. I mean, he, he absolutely lost the plot. He was shouting and screaming at us um, because by this time, uh, one of the guys, the guy other than Greg, had seen what was going on, seen the guy was there with a big dog and come down to give me some backup. But Greg didn't. Greg stayed in the car. And um, this guy took his dog into his house opened his front door, sent the dog in, shouted something, and another guy came out. Uh, and I thought, fuck, this is going to get a bit larry now. Now, the second guy immediately went for my mate. 
I mean, he, he didn't even look at him twice. He just went for him. And uh, my mate knew how to handle himself. And the two of them kind of got into a bit of a wrestling thing. Whilst uh, the guy that had been with the dog uh, was basically getting ready to take me out. Now, I, I kind of... Um, I kind of, I knew what to do, and I was more than happy to do it. I had to put the guy down, put him down quick, and then give my mate a hand. But at the back of my head, I'm thinking, where the fuck is Greg? I don't get it. Where the fuck is Greg? So anyway, um, I did this guy with a really cheap shot. I mean, a, a, a really really cheap shot i kicked the guy square in the bollocks i distracted him first um because i said uh i said something along the lines of and oh and who's that looking at his front door and he turned around and when he wasn't looking directly at me i kicked him in the bollocks and uh as he kind of doubled over i brought his head onto my knee and basically smashed his face. Then I went over and kicked the guy who my other mate was wrestling with in the ribs, and he went over, and my mate then uh, got a good few shots onto the guy's face. And uh, anyway, that's how it went down. We didn't we knew something was wrong we thought potentially something had happened to greg but without the backup um the plan had gone right the plan had gone so we went for an abort and what we did was me and my mate legged it back to his car and uh shot off down the road meanwhile greg is still parked we hit the horn three or four times at greg and then we could see he was on the fucking phone. He was on a mobile. And we went past him. He's, his car started up, or the car he was driving started up, and he followed us. And uh, we then went back to my flat. When we all sat and talked about this, he was absolutely beside himself. I mean, he, he he really just couldn't handle it. He just really was so apologetic for what had happened. And, uh, you know, my other mate, the one who had been there, he, he'd taken a fair kick in, really. I mean, it, he didn't look pretty anyway, but he certainly didn't look pretty that day. He'd taken a few nasties to the, to the face and... Um, Basically, Greg had let us down, and he knew it. And it was just unbelievable. It really was just unbelievable. So we went back, and we we told the guy that had given us the instruction that we'd hit an abort because uh, the guy was basically he was he had some friends there, or he had a mate there who was pretty useful, and you know we we basically fucked up. And um, he wasn't happy. He just, he wasn't happy at all. Uh, he didn't like to be let down. He knew that the guy would now do what anyone would do in that circumstance and go and hide the car. So he's lost the car and he's lost the repo and we've lost the money and we've lost something of our reputation. So... That was where we were. That was exactly how it happened. The day Greg let us down. Over the next couple of weeks, relations were strained, let's say. Uh, turns out Greg and his girlfriend were having a row that morning. He'd phoned her because on his way to this repo he'd been by her place and she wasn't there or a car wasn't there 
and he wanted to know where she was. So he phoned her on her mobile. Um, and he was rowing with her on the phone, basically, uh, because she was with some other bloke. Um, so you can kind of understand it from Greg's point of view. But really, his, his objectivity, his concentration should have been on what he was doing as opposed to what he was fucking. So a couple of weeks went past. You could cut the air with a knife some days. And uh, some days, like we'd go to the pub and Greg wouldn't want to be there. You know, he, he wouldn't be there. So, you know, we, we knew it was on a slippery slope. Now, the guy that uh, I'd, I'd had the row with and kicked in the bollocks. Turns out that I did a better job than I thought, or a worse job than I thought, depends on your point of view. He uh, he had to have an operation, and both of his testicles were removed. Uh, and that's because of the fact probably that I was wearing steel toe caps when I kicked him. I, I damaged his balls basically beyond me. And uh, this guy was probably, this guy was probably in his twenties and he would never have kids because of what I did to him that day. And he really, I mean, he seriously wanted me dead, really. Over the next um, couple of months, there were various noises being made about this guy wanting to take me, but you know he didn't want um, he he didn't want to start a war because he knew that you know I was semi-connected. So he, being semi-connected himself, went to a few people he knew and said, look, I want to just one-on-one -on -one this guy. And, uh, you know, I don't really want to start a war. I just want to one-on-one -on -one the guy. Um, now, that's all very well. I mean, I, I'm not, never was a particularly good fighter. But uh, I understood it. I understood what, you know, was going down. The guy recovered from his operation and was eagerly pushing to get this one-on-one. -on -one. And in the meantime, people that I knew were coming up to me and saying, hey, do you know such and such has called you out? Yeah, I know, I know. But I knew that, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, th this guy was going to destroy me. <laughs> he was. He was going to fucking destroy me. Um... But in that sort of situation, what can you do? You can't you can't walk away from it. I mean, I, I couldn't walk away. And um, <sighs> this is where it gets difficult. A time and a day was agreed, and it was in a car park, an underground car park. There was only going to be me and him. No one else. And uh, everyone had agreed that. Everyone had agreed that what whatever happened, um, the winner would basically put a emergency call in if the other guy needed it after the fight. And uh, then leave so that, you know, we wouldn't, we weren't going to leave each other because that wasn't the done thing. Um, we we were going to have this and then we were going to, you know, uh, we were going to, Jesus. The night that uh, it was set for, I was in the flat and Greg turned up 
and um, he was all, you know, well, if, you know, I really feel for this, if I'd have done my job right, you know, things, this wouldn't be happening and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I, I didn't know which way it was going to go. I, re, I had absolutely no idea. I didn't know if this guy was going to bring a, a fucking gun, a knife or what. Just had no idea. But it seemed like it was just going to be a one-on-one. And I, I didn't want to bring anything that, you know, I, di- I didn't want to go tooled up. I mean, for fuck's sake, you know, I'd, you take a you take a, a a tool with you to something like that, and your reputation. <clears throat> well, I couldn't afford it. Put it that way. So um, I was talking to Greg about it. It was only me and him in the flat, and uh, he said, "What time you going?" And I said, oh, "I'll leave in about I'll leave in about an hour." And he said, um, "Do you, do you want a, a drink before you go?" I said, yeah, sure. So he went over and uh, cracked a bottle of scotch. Poured two glasses in the kitchen, came back in, and, um, you know, we we drank this glass of scotch. I can't even remember what happened next. It was the following day. It was coming up to midday I'm lying on the sofa in my flat people are banging on the door Um, phones ringing mobiles ringing and then somebody let themselves in with a key and I, I was just kind of I I think I'd uh, I'd got up to get a glass of water or something, but I'd uh, anyway. The, the the boys came into the flat and just said, "What the fuck did you fucking do? What the fuck? What were you thinking?" And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" Greg had um, slipped me a roofie in the scotch. Sleeping tablet. Fucking good sleeping tablet. Some sort of uh, tranquilizer that knocked me out. And uh, he'd gone in my place. And apparently he turned up and the guy said, my problem's not with you. And Greg had said, it fucking is now because I'm the one that caused it. And uh, the two of them kicked off. And then Mr. Nobles lived up to his uh, name and pulled a knife and Greg went down the at the inquest the, the they said that the knife had gone in uh horizontally and then had been twisted and forced upwards Uh, so it was it wasn't as though this this guy pulled a knife out of last resort just quickly kind of stabbed in anger or whatever he he pushed the knife in turned it vertically and lifted it up and uh, killed Greg and general consensus was that I'd sent Greg to go and do this guy Greg had spoken to um, his sister apparently and uh, his sister was married to somebody that we all knew quite well 
and she said she'd had a phone call basically saying uh, that, that I'm going to go and sort out a, a problem for Ken and I'll be around later and that, that was kind of evidence enough that was proof as far as anyone needed that was proof didn't matter what I said I mean the, the boys came around the flat I woke up um, I was you know bright and sparkly because I'd had a huge amount of sleep no worse for wear I was dressed I was getting myself a glass of water TV was on they uh, they said that I'd bottled it they said that I had they knew I was apprehensive about the fight my close circle were anyway but people that I'd known since school were now saying to me I can't fucking believe you've done that I cannot believe you've done it and uh, didn't matter mitigating circumstances it, it, it just didn't matter what I said I know uh, you know the, the whole well Greg slipped him a, a roofie knocked him out and then went and did it it's so fucking far-fetched that it, it's just ridiculous you would have to know Greg to know that he he would do something like that so uh <clears throat> I was pretty much ostracized. I had um, keys to my flat every morning for the next week or so. There'd be another set of keys dropped through the letterbox. No talk, no, no explanation, no nothing. Just a set of keys. <laughs> some of these guys they were so close do you know I mean some of these some of these guys we'd been in situations where we could have very easily died and we stuck together and we we did whatever was necessary So, um, I'd, no one was taking my calls. Anybody from uh, my friends to anybody that I was connected to, literally everybody I knew, because word was out that I'd got this kid killed. And that <laughs> just fucking destroyed me absolutely destroyed me not not just for the fact that you know this this poor kid had died but I mean uh, what people thought what people assumed and what they took for granted and uh, <laughs> I just couldn't believe it myself you know I couldn't believe that he died. I did get um, uh, his sister on the phone at one point and she told me not to come to the funeral or go anywhere near the grave. Um, police got as much information as they needed. There was a uh, murder took place in a underground car park and they had no leads, they had no nothing. Um, 
Mr. Nobles. I think he was found about a week later in a field. Hands behind his back, tied up, bullet to the back of the head. He, he was executed, and uh, not on, you know, not on my order, but uh, not that I could give an order, but on his sister's connected friends, I think. So uh, from that, I I moved. Um, dumped my phone, got a different mum. Went off to Birmingham for a little while. Lived in London for a while. Uh, moved about, really. Over the next two years, probably. It's probably about two years. Went from place to place. And then... Whenever I did go back to Coventry, it would be just to see my parents. I was really quite surprised, actually, that uh, I hadn't been hit. That, you know, somewhere somebody gave me the benefit of the doubt. Because, really, I mean, for doing that to anybody, if I had have done it, I'd have been, uh, I'd have been taken out. So somebody gave me the benefit of the doubt. It was probably two years before I came across anybody uh, that I knew. And it was in rugby. And I was um, in the centre of rugby, in the shopping centre. And I saw a familiar face. Now I knew, that, you know, this guy ain't going to want to talk to me. So I, I just kind of looked away. And uh, he, he said to me, you know, he came up to me. He said, uh, Ken Burton? I went, yeah. Fucking hell. And you're a face from the past. I said, yeah, yeah. There's, um... I, we made small talk. During that conversation, he told me that Greg's mate and him had a phone call the night of the killing and that Greg had told him what he'd done and that I was going to be really pissed when I woke up and I said did he did he ever tell anybody about this he said yeah he's told quite a few people so when was this so, a couple of months back He could have, he could have cleared me of bottling this. He could have cleared me two years before. But he was so fucked off that Greg had been killed. And that as far as he saw it, it was my fault that he didn't say anything. Didn't say anything for the best part of two years. And then he did. And then the guy that I've met in rugby said, um, I know that uh, a couple of the guys are asking if anybody knew where you were. And I gave him my phone number and he gave that phone number to a few other people. And the phone rang. It was the it was the guys that I'd grew up with, that I'd hung around with, that I'd shared the early part of my life with. 
and I was asked if I wanted to go for a drink. And so I did. Went back to Coventry, went to the pub we all used to hang around in, in fact. And we all sat and had a drink. And they apologised. And I apologised. And there were lots of bro shakes and hugs going on. They weren't all there, actually, because uh, another friend of mine um, had been killed. And uh, he was a guy I knew really, really well. And I wasn't able to go to his funeral either. It's my parents that told me. They read it in the fucking obituary column. <laughs> Jesus. But anyway, um, it weren't the same. It just wasn't the same after that. The boys did what they did. Uh, and I was on the outside now. I was on the fringes of... Nothing. Just nothing. So anyway, uh, we left with the... Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll stay in touch, we'll stay in touch. And slowly, over the next year, we drifted again. Drifted completely apart this time. Rare phone call. The odd text. That was it. That was how it all ended. That was how, in real terms, it needed to end. Because where would I have been now? Where would I have been? Who would I have been? It's crazy to think that, you know, that that's who I was, that's what I was. If I'd have carried on in that lifestyle, I'd, I would have been dead or in jail now. There are only two choices for anyone who takes up that kind of lifestyle. So, did, did Greg do me the ultimate favour and get me out of that? I guess he did in the end. But it, it scarred me. It's changed me. It turned me into... For quite a few years, a very bitter and twisted young man. I couldn't trust anybody. I couldn't get into relationships. I couldn't. I couldn't make friends because I didn't want friends. I'd had the very best friends you could ever imagine, and all of them walked away from me. All of them. That's something that's difficult to live with. But it was their choice. And that was a, a lot of years ago. A lot of years ago. One or two people I still get the odd phone call from rarely uh, because they know that, that that life that lifestyle is way way behind me now and it will never come back again it can't I mean I'm <laughs> look at what I did after that for Christ's sake I mean I, I, I got into one job and became management in that job and then moved to another job and then got some qualifications and really got my life on track 
it's funny really i mean uh, you know people <laughs> people uh, i used to have meetings with um senior senior management multi-millionaires i'd sit there and talk to <laughs> we'd have no idea that i'd got the past that i had It just, it does go to show that you can, you know, even the very worst of us, even the very baddest of bad can be redeemed in some way. You can turn your life around. And I guess that's what I did, but because I was forced to. And here I am, the guy in front of you today. So that, ladies and gents, is the last chapter. Ended in two deaths, unnecessary deaths. One of them, I still blame myself for. Still. There will be other stories, I'm sure. There will be other stories that uh, I will tell, which are probably a little bit easier to listen to than this one was. And I'm sorry if this one was um, so downbeat. But a, a lot of people have asked me over and over again, you know, how did it end? How did you stop being that person? How how can you have that type of life and then just have the one you've got now? Where was the transition? That was the transition. Greg was the transition. Fucking lapdog. This has been Ken. This has been the... Ken Burton Show podcast story. And I will just end with the usual caveat, by the way, that uh, some or all of this may or may not be true. It is up to you, the listener, to decide whether or not you think it is true. And leave a comment if you want. Thanks for listening, guys.